At Arendt, we organize webinars that we are pleased to share on our podcast channel and on our website www.arendt.com. The following webinar is the first of a series dedicated to restructuring and insolvency considerations in the context of the current economic crisis. It was recorded on the 26th of May 2020 and is entitled Restructuring and Insolvency in Times of Crisis Answers to Our Clients' Top 10 Questions with our experts Sébastien Binard, partner at Arendt and Medona, Clara Maha Marwenda, partner at Arendt and Medona, Gregory Min, partner at Arendt and Medona, Philippe Véry, CEO of Arendt Business Advisory, and Stéphane Jolimeunier, counsel at Arendt and Medona. So given the news, we've decided to, to dedicate this webinar Uh, to the questions of uh, well, restructuring insolvency and, and more specifically, let's say, to the top 10 uh, questions that, that our clients have asked to us over the past, uh, the past couple of months, let's say, on matters of uh, yeah, restructuring proceedings, insolvency proceedings, financial difficulties generally in relation to uh, Luxembourg companies. And so when we say top 10, um, I must admit that we, we cheat a little bit uh, because the equation is actually 10 equals 7 plus x, and the x is the questions that we all count on you to, uh, to ask uh, through the Q&A function of the, of the app. And so I, I hope that most of you are connected to the app. If not, you can, you can still do it. Um, and so if you go to the bottom of your screen, there will be, you can click there, click or push, depending on, on your device, uh, and ask questions. We will take three, three of those questions uh, at the end of the session, but don't be sad for those of of you who've asked questions that were unanswered uh, now, we will, we will follow up by, by email as well. So feel free, uh, you, can, you can drown, drown us and uh, we, we sort of commit to, uh, to, to, to respond to that, to at least to, to, to have a short call by email or by call. Now, uh, let's say we, we've assembled a, a fairly, fairly large panel today and I'll, I'll introduce them af afterwards, but maybe a few, a few words of context. Uh, to, to start with. Um, I think it's fair to say that everybody uh, sort of feels the heat uh, right now. And when I say feel the heat, uh, sorry, when I say everybody, it's, it's probably, you know, the businesses themselves, uh, the, the shareholders, uh, creditors, board members, and so on. So if you go uh, from the angle of, of, of companies or, or businesses, I mean, obviously, some of them have been more impacted than others. If you look at, uh, let's say, a brick-and-mortar Uh, retail retail store business uh, in the non-food sector. It's been it's been absolutely absolutely terrible uh, for them. Um, and and again, it's fair to say I think that most of them will need financial support at some point due to the liquidity crunch uh, that they are currently experiencing. Now, the only thing is that it may not necessarily be easy to get. Um, and so, questions of you know a potential restructuring of of the balance sheet or of the operations will arise potential insolvencies in the, in the worst case, and we'll see what that means for, uh, let's say, Luxembourg companies, you know, being holding companies, operational companies, or, or their operational subsidiaries in, in foreign countries sometimes as, as, as well. Um, speaking about board members, well, there will be potential liability issues, uh, changing duties as, as well. It's not necessarily the most comfortable situation to be in today, but you will have to, to face that as board members. We'll, we'll speak a bit about that. 
uh, equity investors as well, such as you know private equity and, and other institutional funds, um, are, well, they, they simply are in the in uncomfortable situation of seeing their portfolio companies uh, becoming, let's say, at risk, and they need to find uh, stability. They need to focus on their on, on their portfolio. Um, perhaps make a capital injection to make sure that they that they that they stay alive and in good shape. But lots of lots of transactions are delayed, especially exits. Now is not a good time to sell for many um, many of our clients. Although that may change um, in the coming month, and they need to find solution to 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 make the portfolio companies survive or restructure or liquidate those uh, who who are more uh, let's say deeply in, in trouble. Um, and, and lenders, I'd say, uh, finally, such as banks and, and you know, credit funds, um, well, there are two things. I mean, one, they could, you know, find the occasion to increase their exposure on distressed assets and invest in more. But for the existing asset, they need to very often do something because what they witness is that the value of the collateral, for instance, is, is falling. And we'll speak a little bit and, uh, about, uh, about valuation as well in those circumstances. They ask themselves whether their security remains enforceable, um, uh, how and when they should strategically enforce and, and, and uh, as, as well. And to answer, let's say, all of those questions and, 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 and speak on those teams, um, we've assembled a, a, a panel of a uh, few of our restructuring and insolvency uh, specialists um, that, that we have within Arendt. Um Now, perhaps just a, just a couple of words about our insolvency and restructuring practice. Um, let's say that about a year and a half ago, we had the feeling, like many others, that we were coming at the end, at the top of a cycle. And so um, we sort of redesigned a bit our service offerings so as to be, um, let's say, in a position to cover all types of situations for all types of actors when, whenever there is financial or there are financial difficulties. And we focused on the, uh, let's say, legal angle of things, uh, but also um, uh, from, a, from a business operational standpoint through our uh, business called Aaron Business Advisory, we, we, we do provide some, some business advisory advice. And uh, Philippe, Philippe Wery from, uh, from that practice will, will, will speak uh, a bit about that today. And so we, we, we do uh, legal advice, but then, then some, some things beyond law uh, as well. And so the panel is very representative of that sort of diversity of, of expertise, that, that sort of cross-discipline uh, uh, practice. So um, you have uh, Clara Mara uh, first uh, with a restructuring insolvency background, and she, she's also a litigation and uh, legal proceeding specialist. Uh, Philippe Poiry, uh, who we introduced already, is the CEO of a unit called Aaron Business Advisory, and so he would be uh, the person to call whenever you have an issue with valuation or a reorganization plan to, to prepare or creditors to negotiate with. That is his, his specialties. Greg Remin um, is a restructuring service specialist, like everyone on this panel, but has a back banking and finance uh, background as well. Stéphane Jolie-Meunier is more on the corporate and, and PE side uh, with us as well in the restructuring practice, and that's the same uh, for, for, for myself, Sebastian Binard. Um, now I suggest that we dive into, into those, uh, those, top 10, those top 10 questions. As a reminder, again, I could not insist more. Please use the Q&A feature uh, of, of, of the app uh, if, if you can, if you want. Perhaps the first question, and that, that's really, I think if we had to make a top 10, that one comes on top every time. 
The question that we are being asked most, especially by foreign clients, is, uh, you know, please explain to us when a Luxembourg company is actually deemed bankrupt. And that's, that's maybe one that Clara could, uh, could take. Yes, thank you, Celestian. Well, in a nutshell, under Luxembourg law, a commercial company is considered bankrupt if two conditions are cumulatively met. The first condition is that the company can no longer pay its debts. The company is in a situation called cessation of payments. And the second condition is that the company is no longer creditworthy. Regarding the first condition, cessation of payments, it implies that unpaid debts of the company are certain, liquid, due and payable. It is not required that the company has ceased all its payments, but it is necessary that the debtor has ceased its principal payments. For example, the default of payments of one substantial debt may be sufficient for a company to be declared bankrupt. However, temporary financial difficulties would not be sufficient for a company to be declared bankrupt. Regarding the second condition, the loss of creditworthiness, it may result from the inability to raise credit to obtain new financing or from the refusal of the creditors to grant any further extension of the maturity of their claims. For instance, the fact that a creditor is not claiming for the payment of a due and payable debt may be considered as equivalent to granting a credit. So when a commercial company can no longer suspend payments or seek an arrangement with its creditors or be placed under control management, and we will see that later, um, in order to reorganize its business activity, then bankruptcy may be the only solution. Uh, usually, a commercial company must file for bankruptcy uh, with the clerk of the district court within one month from the cessation, cessation of payments. However, this one-month period has currently been suspended for the whole duration of the state of crisis declared in the context of the COVID-19 epidemic. Sebastian is the... Thank, thank you, Clara. Thank, thank you very much for that. And, and so... Uh, um, I think the difficulty with bankruptcy in Luxembourg is that it's a liquidation procedure. So it's, it's effectively the death sentence uh, of your company, which is uh, uh, absolutely un unpleasant. And so uh, one question I'd like to ask to, to, to Philippe from, um, from ABA um, is that, you know, how, how can we, in very broad terms, how can we avoid that situation in, a, in, a, in, in the first place? So thank you, Sebastian. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, so you have understood. Um, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a business advisor. So the, 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 the point of view I would like to, uh, to raise today is a little bit different. So for me, bankruptcy is the end of the story. Um, but the idea, of course, is not to reach the end of the story and to be sure that we, we can move forward with the story. So the, the, the idea today is not to, to make a lecture because we will do and organize other webinars special, especially uh, focus on, on the, the business aspect. But so the, the idea is not to make a lecture on management uh, because we can discuss hours and hours about why a company would be in a situation to be close to bankruptcy uh, because of uh, whatever management issue, supply chain issue, marketing issue, whatever it is corporate governance. Um, we want to focus today, and that's the topic of the webinar, about what is special to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, uh, so uh, after that, uh, my fellow uh, colleagues of Arantemernac will go through all the legal aspects of the bankruptcy, but I will just stay a little bit before, so before we are supposed to declare bankruptcy. Um, so 
there are two parameters we wanted to uh, to highlight from this COVID-19 crisis uh, because it's really unique. The first one is companies uh, are being blocked and have been blocked and are for some are still be, uh, being blocked in their ability to produce and to deliver. And that's very, very important because this is something that happens. I mean, you, for example, you could be um, a produ producer of machines, and in the machine you have an electronic board. This electronic board is supplied by a supplier. There are maybe three or four suppliers in Europe providing electronic boards. And often, I mean, because of rare resources, because of uh, problems of supply for certain components, your supplier is calling you and telling you, sorry, but you, you will have six, six to 12 month delay. This happens in real life. The point here is that what is unique is that everyone, almost every business was blocked and unable to produce and deliver. And that is unique. Um, so those risks usually are mitigated by larger inventories. Uh, you have alternative qualified suppliers. Even you have alternative products to propose to your clients. But if it's not possible. As well as you would be a global player in the steel production, uh, steel manufacturing, as well as your hairdresser, they cannot produce, they cannot cut your hair, they cannot deliver your, your meal. There are, of course, uh, in-betweens we're going we're to come to. So the first parameter that is really complicated and makes all that crisis unique is the, the scale uh, of the inability to produce and deliver. The second one is that in the same time, companies are facing brutal decrease of their demand. Uh, and and that there is obvious reasons uh, for that. First one, the lockdown. I mean, a lot of businesses need to have the client in front of them to, 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 to be sure that they sell something. Uh, so at the end of the day, the lockdown makes that impossible. But it's not only that, because a lot of businesses have uh, derived to the digital world in order to mitigate a little bit that problem, or using, for like restaurants, for example, the delivery or the takeaway business. But also the second part is that there is a risk-averse consumer behavior, meaning that the, the consumers, they they don't know what's going to happen, basically. They, they, they live in an uncertain world at the moment, and because of that, they don't buy. I mean, they just delay a certain number of acquisitions, and they uh, go back to the essential purchasing. So at the end of the day, this COVID-19 crisis, there are two parameters in the same time. I cannot deliver, I cannot produce, but in the same time, what I could do, I have, an, I have even a decrease of demand. So those consequences... Uh, to the, the companies, uh, and that's very specific, again, it's not like generic uh, for bankruptcy, there are many other reasons again, but those specific COVID ones, is that we find a numerous, uh, numerous companies that should not be in situation of bankruptcy um, facing liquidity shortage. And liquidity shortage, we're gonna come back to that in two minutes. So the first impact is, okay, many companies are facing this problem of cash, huh, basically. And a lot of companies are facing then consequently a decrease of their value, but not only of their value, of the collateral they could give to lenders in order to get cash, which is a double impact. Um, just to make some specifics on the VCU, venture capitalism, private equity or debt fund activities, usually, and I don't want to spend too, too, too much time on that, it's going to be another webinar, but basically uh, portfolios are in fire, under fire. I mean, it's under siege, it's a battle, because you may have 50 uh, assets in, into your portfolio line that needs uh, cash injection in the next six months. So you need to look that at a global level with harmonized teams. Um, the, the value of the possible pledge you, you, you have are decreasing in the same time. 
when you are in the VC world, uh, the, the high-rate cash burn uh, startups will face uh, faster problems than even other companies. So it's, it's, it's clearly a problem. However, it's a world for opportunities because in the same time, as Sebastian has mentioned it, well, as the companies and the assets are decreasing of value and it's going to come to valuation a little bit uh, later, I mean, of course, there are opportunities to uh, acquire at a fair price certain assets of certain companies that would not have been uh, uh, acquirable uh, so far. So I would like to come to those two um, consequences. The first one being the sudden liquidity shortage, uh, an unexpected one at company level. So what is the consequence uh, for that? The consequence is simple, it's a quest for cash. So uh, as I said, um, liquidity shortage is something which is quite standard in the management theory. I mean, a lot of companies are facing during their lifetime a liquidity shortage. Usually it happens when you are in a growth phase, so your revenue is going fast, uh, and then your suppliers are still not giving you terms of payment, so you pay cash, and your clients, of course, to get market shares, you are giving them terms of payment. So you are basically playing the banker in between, which is a base of the, of the job. The problem here is that it's not only those kind of companies that are facing liquidity uh, problems, it's the whole economy that are facing liquidity problems. Uh, the reason why uh, it's a very good um, measure to have delayed or, uh, let's say, put on hold this obligation to declare bankruptcy because for the moment, thousands and thousands and thousands of files are just being proposed to banks, to lenders, to distressed debt funds, to private debt funds, and it's taking time to look at all those companies. And of course, all those companies are robust. They are good companies, but that are facing this unexpected event of this liquidity squeeze. Um, so there are still a little bit of a job to do. When you are facing this kind of crisis, better you have uh, a very, very well uh, organized um, financial statement and accounting, uh, very well organized uh, cash flow statement. It's, it's very interesting to see how many companies, small and medium sized often, of course, uh, are not having even a cash statement that is updated on a weekly basis or at least on a monthly basis. It's often only the plan uh, for the next year. Well, if you intend uh, in the next weeks to go see your banker or a lender and you don't have your latest financial statements and at least a vision about how your cash will evolve in the next six months or 12 months, let's be honest, your chance is quite, uh, is quite low. So this is the minimal requirement you should have. The next step is to monitor costs line by line. Everything, and you know, in management theory, it's like cycles, it's like the contractor cycles. After 10 years, something, and 10 years later, we come back with like, like fashion. But well, with what we have seen now and what we see in the, in the economy, the new fashion is subcontracting and making the, the, the fixed costs flexible. That is probably what's going to happen in the next 12 months to find ways to flexibilize all the costs, subcontracting part of the HR, subcontracting part, part of the accounting, subcontracting certain number. In the same time, pooling resources. And when you have a portfolio of 50 assets, you can imagine also um, improving the pooling of resources. Basically, in Luxembourg, companies have means that are given by the state since the COVID crisis has begun. And there are mainly three mechanisms. The first one is the classical one, uh, but it has been expanded in a way. It's to, to use um, special holidays and special unemployment uh, situation and, and ads to, uh, to help companies. And for the unemployment, it can cover up to 80% of the salaries 
of, uh, of the company. That's the first part you could, you could imagine using. The second one is using the direct injection of cash that the, the state and the government have decided for Luxembourg. It's quite minor at the moment, but it's still good for small and medium-sized companies because you can have two times 5,000 euros, one times 2,500 euros. And so for when I was disputing with small entrepreneurs, for example, those 12,000, 13,000 euros were quite good to help them, you know, laying down the time the, the clients would come back. And the third one is the more institutional uh, mechanism, which is with the help and the very good help of the, the main banks in Luxembourg, it's uh, getting credits. Alors, of course, getting credits is only delaying a problem. It's not a direct uh, injection of cash in the, in, in the economy, but it's long-term loans, five to six years, at very good conditions with 85% um, uh, grant uh, and guarantee from, from the state. So it means that a lot of companies that are robust and could be in the, under the condition to get those loans, they could get it and you know that would help in order to lay down the time uh, uh, the, 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 uh, behind us. And, um, and, and Philippe, those are, those are very helpful solutions, I think, to, uh, to, to face uh, an unexpected liquidity shortage. And your second, the second issue that you had identified was sort of a, uh, a decrease, a br brutal decrease of asset value. I mean, what, what would we need to, to know about that in, in very broad terms? Yeah, so basically what we have seen in all the transactions we are doing is that automatically since the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, all the comparables and the multiple of EBITDA that we use usually in transactions have decreased. Uh, that, that really was almost automatic and in a, in a lot of businesses and different sectors. Uh, this is not the only, the only reason. Um, the reason is why uh, when you value a company, there are many techniques, but one that is globally used is what we call the discounted cash flow. So it means to see what to today in terms of value, and, uh, using all the parameters you can, you can use. But it's a question of logic. When all your revenues are delayed for a certain number of months, that you are now facing this lockdown and this inability to produce and to deliver, all the business planning and all what are the results you are expecting are delayed in the future. Because of that, it has a direct impact in the valuation methods that the people are using to value the assets or value the companies. So basically, value is decreasing again. So your business plans are obsolete. You need to update the business plans. And again, this decrease of value is opening opportunities for distressed and private debt funds to provide some services on a short and medium term basis. And for some private equity players, uh, we remind that there is a 2.5 trillion, trillion uh, dollars uh, dry powder money in the market, yeah. uh, among those 800 billions to acquire. So we expect to see a certain number of acquisitions coming, most probably in 2021. Yeah. And, and as, as, you can, as you can see, uh, Philippe is extremely passionate about this subject, and he, has, he had a lot of things as well to say about the next wave uh, and how to be prepared for possibly the, the, the next wave. What I suggest is that we, 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 we keep that, uh, that part perhaps for the Q&A if, if, if we have time, so that we, we have time to cover the, the other questions as well. Uh, but, but I personally found that very interesting. Thank, thanks, Philippe. Um, now, c coming back to, to legal stuff, let's say, uh, Clara, um, you know, if, if, if we want to avoid bankruptcy, I mean, obviously, there are all of the solutions that Philippe has mentioned, but on the, uh, legal, on, on the legal tools front, I mean, what do we have in Luxembourg there? I mean, is it possible to reorganize a Luxembourg company uh, rather than going for a, a judicial liquidation, a bankruptcy? Yes, several options can be considered by a commercial company which is facing financial difficulties. In the first 
step, a stay of payments may be granted by the district court to a company which is suffering temporary payment difficulties. This stay of payments allows the company to suspend its payments for a given period of time, which is determined by the court. In practice, the court may grant such a stay of payments in two situations. The first situation is when the company has to temporarily cease its payment due to exceptional and unforeseeable events, but its balance sheet shows that it has sufficient assets or income to satisfy its creditors. A second situation is when the company is currently in deficit, but there are strong indications that it may return to solvency. A second option may be the composition with creditors. The company which is facing financial difficulties may seek to obtain the approval by the district court of an arrangement with its creditors for the settlement of their claims. This option is only available to debtors who are considered to be honest and unfortunate. This means that they are not at fault for their financial difficulties. And the court will only be able to approve the arrangement subject to the approval of the majority of the creditors representing more than three quarters of the company's liabilities. Once the arrangement has been approved by the court, all enforcement measures are temporarily suspended and the arrangement is binding upon all creditors. And the third option may be the controlled management, gestion contrôlée. A commercial company may be granted the benefit of controlled management if three conditions are met. First condition, its credit is undermined or the full execution of its commitment is compromised. Second condition, the control management would allow for the recovery of the company's business or would benefit the sale of the company's assets. And third condition, the company acts in good faith. If the court approves the application for control management, it will delegate one of the judges to assess and report on the situation of the company's business to the court. The judgment delegating this judge automatically results in a suspension of all acts of enforcement, and it also results in the inability for the company to proceed with disposal of assets or grant security interest. Such acts require the written authorization of the delegated judge. Once the report of the judge has been filed, the court again hears the company, and if it believes that the reorganization of the company's business is possible, the court uh, will place the management of the company's assets under the control of one or more commissioners, commissaires. This judgment, admitting the control management, tasks the commissioner with proposing a plan, either for the reorganization of the debtor's business or for the disposal and distribution of the debtor's assets to creditors and shareholders. The commissioners will prepare a reorganization or liquidation plan in respect of the company's business and will communicate this plan to all creditors, co-debtors, and guarantors. The plan is also published in the official gazette in Luxembourg. The creditors are then asked to vote on the plan, which is also subject to court's approval. And the court may only approve the reorganization or liquidation plan subject to the approval of more than half of the creditors, representing more than half of the company's liabilities. Once the final judgment giving the company the benefit of the control management process is issued, the creditors' enforcement rights remain suspended, and all management decisions taken on behalf of the company must be first approved by the commissioner. 
However, these proceedings, yes, are due to be replaced shortly under a draft bill in Luxembourg, which is a draft bill uh, 6539. I was going yes. to, um, <laughs> okay. to, 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 to say that, and sorry to, to interject, that, Clara, okay. uh, that, that essentially the, those proceedings that you've described I mean, are very old, and, uh, and they are due to, to replace by something brand, brand new that, that you wanted to describe, I think, now in a few words. Yes, it's a bill of law, uh, so number 6539, on business preservation and modernization of bankruptcy law. And uh, this bill of law will provide new reorganization tools to the companies facing financial difficulties. The, parli the parliamentary works are still ongoing and are expected to enter into the final stage by the end of this year. Bill of Law introduces uh, out-of-course restructuring proceedings and new judicial reorganization proceedings. Both types of proceedings are initiated on a voluntary basis, which means that they are commenced by the company itself, the company facing financial difficulties. Contrary to the judicial reorganization proceedings, out-of-court restructuring proceedings will not require formal application to the court and will not result in any form of publicity. However, they will only be binding on participating creditors, uh, which may be a, a disadvantage. Thank, thank you very much, Clara. Um, and, and that is, uh, I mean, that draft bill of law is something that we we are expecting and, and we are hoping for, for the end of the year. The UK uh, is, is just uh, undergoing a significant reform, it seems, at least from the commentary that, that we've seen with its insolvency law. Um, let's say I think France has modernized uh, its framework as well uh, a few years back. So we expect that Luxembourg will not, uh, will, will, will not be the, 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 last one, uh, the, the last one there as well. We, we, we desperately need it. Um, and, and we'll speak a little bit about uh, uh, the reason for which um, you know, Luxembourg companies sometimes go and reorganize themselves outside Luxembourg, for instance, through uh, U.S. Chapter 11 proceedings or UK so-called scheme of arrangement. We, we'll come to that, but, but perhaps before that, a question that our clients have asked uh, us uh, quite a bit is uh, whether specific legislation was, had been adopted in the context of COVID-19 in respect of um, you know, insolvency topics generally. And um, let, let's say two or three things there. Um, well, you remember, and Clara mentioned, I think that there's a, there's a mandatory uh, bankruptcy filing obligation under Luxembourg. So it's not optional, uh, like in the US. In, in Luxembourg, bankruptcy is a liquidation procedure, and where, when you meet the criteria for bankruptcy, then as a board, you have an obligation to, to file for bankruptcy. For, you know, failing which you face criminal sanctions. Now, that obligation has been suspended uh, for the duration of the of the state of crisis, and so uh, up, up and until now, it's uh, by mid June, so uh, in about uh, two three weeks' time, and, and we'll see if that gets uh, uh, extended or extended or not. Um, it, it must be said, however, that that uh, uh, has no impact on creditors, and so creditors can still file or petition uh, more accurately for the bankruptcy of their of their borrower, uh, which doesn't pay, and so and and companies themselves can still voluntarily and then file for bankruptcy during the period of suspension when, however, they they meet the criteria for bankruptcy. We've been asked as well in terms of specific legislation where whether we had some for. Um, covering the concept of wrongful trading. 
Now, we don't really have the concept of wrongful trading under, under Luxembourg law. It is permissible for a company uh, to trade up, up and until the last day, but obviously there are consequences if it uh, you, you know, starts indebting itself much where, where um, it was very clear that essentially the company could not continue its operations normally and would inevitably uh, be, become bankrupt at, uh, at some point. And perhaps one, one sub-question for Gregory there, I mean, an, another question about COVID-19. I mean, do we have COVID-19-specific legislation about enforcement of, of security, of, of, of pledges, for instance? Uh, hello, Sebastian. Thank you. Um, the answer to your question is no. no. No measures have been adopted in the context of this crisis uh, with regard to security agreements. Um, the questions of our clients for the last two months mainly concern security arrangements in, in respect of claims, uh, receivables, and financial instruments. Uh, several situations are possible in practice. Um, the first is where the collateral provider is a Luxembourg company and uh, the security arrangement is uh, governed by Luxembourg law. Um, the, the second one is where the, the collateral provider is a foreign company and the security arrangement is in, in respect of the claims or the financial instrument is governed by Luxembourg law. And the third one is where the collateral provider is here in Luxembourg and the security arrangement in, in respect of claims, uh, receivables, and, and financial instruments is governed by, by foreign law. Um, let's discuss first the two situations where the Luxembourg, um, the collateral provider is a, is a Luxembourg entity. Uh, in the third situation, uh, where the security arrangement, for example, a pledge agreement, is governed by Luxembourg law and, and, and subject to the, the Luxembourg law on financial collateral arrangements. And I would like to point out that the, the, the collateral law in Luxembourg implements the collateral directives, and, and the scope of the collateral law is broader. Uh, in, in that case, the enforcement of the pledge will be a matter of Luxembourg law. And um, so this means that under the collateral law, assuming that the pledge created uh, under the pledge agreement is perfected and enforceable. The collateral taker, whether this is a, a Luxembourg lender, for example, or, or a, a foreign lender, would be entitled to enforce the pledge upon the occurrence of an enforcement event provided for in the pledge agreement. Uh, it could be, for example, the non-payment of a loan or the change of, uh, of financial ratios or the breach of any obligation under, for example, a facility agreement. So, with regard to your question, could Luxembourg reorganization or, or winding of proceedings with respect to a Luxembourg collateral provider delay or prevent the enforcement of the pledge? The answer is clearly no. Um, the Luxembourg reorganization and winding of proceedings do not apply to Luxembourg law governed pledge agreements, which are subject to the collateral law. So, this means that a collateral taker would be entitled to enforce the pledge created in its favor. Uh, in accordance with the terms of the pledge agreement. So in practice, for example, uh, under Luxembourg law, there is no need to, um, to uh, serve a notice of enforcement to uh, the collateral provider. There is no need to involve a court in order to be able to enforce uh, a pledge. And the appropriation of pledge assets um, could be done before their value is calculated. So the regime is quite flexible. Um, if we look at the, uh, the second situation where the security arrangement is governed by Luxembourg law, um, the enforcement of, of the security interest would be a matter of foreign law. Uh, it could be, for example, a New York law security agreement or an Irish law um, charge. Uh, so could the, uh, the reorganization of wider proceedings um, in respect of a Luxembourg collateral uh, giver 
delay or prevent the enforcement of the security interests subject to foreign law? The answer is also given by the, the collateral law. Um, <clears throat> those reorganization awarding your proceedings will not apply to a uh, security interest uh, subject to foreign law uh, and granted by a collateral uh, provider based in Luxembourg and subject to financial difficulty. Uh, if um, the foreign security interest is, for example, a financial collateral uh, within the meaning of the collateral directive or a uh, similar collateral. So this means in practice that um, we would look at the um, foreign security interest or the foreign security arrangement and look whether that security interest is similar to a Luxembourg pledge, for example. So as you can see, Sebastian, um, it's still possible to, to enforce um, Luxembourg security interest or foreign security interest granted by a Luxembourg collateral provider is in, in, in this context of, uh, of COVID-19. And, and, and I think that's, uh, that's what all of our clients who are creditors want, 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 wanted to hear, uh, obviously. And um, uh, Greg, I mean, another situation uh, you are very often faced with is the question of, of, of where, um, you know, the Luxembourg company will, will essentially reorganize itself. And we've seen situations a number of times where you know, Chapter 11's proceedings were open in respect of, of Luxembourg companies. I think the most recent example is uh, Intelsat, which has its top uh, holding company, which is a listed company on the New York Stock Exchange, entering into Chapter 11 proceedings. But we've seen a number of other examples in, in, in the past, maybe a bit less well known. Um, sometimes, uh, in some cases, they go, um, you know, to French courts or they go to UK courts and, and seek a so-called scheme arrangement. How, I mean, the, the question that we often get is, you know, would these proceedings be recognized in Luxembourg or would there be some form of competition between Luxembourg courts and US or UK courts? Um, yeah, those questions are, are, are both complex and, and complicated, Sebastian. Mm -hmm. I think the first question is whether a foreign court would accept to have jurisdiction over a Luxembourg company. So it's uh, more a, a matter of satisfying the test provided under uh, the rules of the foreign court um, uh, in, in this case. So let, let's take the example of a, of a court in, in New York. So that, that court, um, let's assume that the, the, the court in New York has recognized its jurisdiction and opened a Chapter 11 procedure over a Luxembourg company. Um, for example, because the Luxembourg company has assets uh, in, in New York or a place of business in, in, in the U.S. Uh, let's assume that the, the test is satisfied from the New York's court point of view. The next question would be for, for us, would the Chapter 11 proceedings be recognized in Luxembourg? Um, there, there is no case law confirming um, the, the recognition of a Chapter 11 proceeding in, in, uh, in Luxembourg, but in general, uh, Luxembourg law recognizes the principle of uh, unity and uh, universality of uh, in cross-border bankruptcy proceedings. So what does that mean? It, it means that a company uh, subject to um, one bankruptcy procedure supervised by uh, one court only, and that the bankruptcy procedure has universal effects and, and includes all the, the, the assets of the, of the company subject to, to the procedure wherever they are um, located in the world. Um, in, in Luxembourg, the court, a court would have jurisdiction to open bankruptcy proceeding against a Luxembourg company. And by Luxembourg company, I mean a company whose central administration or center of main interest is situated in Luxembourg. 
So this means that uh, Luxembourg Court would have no jurisdiction to open bankruptcy proceedings against a foreign company. And by foreign company, I mean also a company whose central administration is situated uh, outside Luxembourg. Um, I think a Chapter 11 judgment might be recognized by the Court of Luxembourg subject to certain conditions. And it would take too long to explain all the conditions now, but uh, one of those conditions is that the, uh, the judgment um, of the New York Court, in my example, uh, would need to be rendered by a court having jurisdiction. And the court in New York would need to have jurisdiction according to its own rules. Uh, for example, if the test is satisfied because the company has um, assets in, uh, in the United States and the, the New York Court considers that, that it has jurisdiction, um, this is um, uh, okay from, uh, from a US law perspective. But in addition to that, the uh, New York Court would also need to have jurisdiction according to Luxembourg rules. So this means that from a Luxembourg uh, law perspective, the New York Court would have jurisdiction because the company subject to the Chapter 11 proceedings would be a um, would not be a Luxembourg company, but would be a company subject to um, to New York law. So as you can see, it's uh, it's very um, important to um, to see whether the conditions uh, of the recognition of uh, of a bankruptcy judgment in the U.S. would uh, would be recognized in in this case. Uh, I remember that um, this question of recognition is one uh, most frequently asked by our clients and. And, and you will recall a recent case, I think it was in 2018, where we had this uh, court in Delaware, uh, which dismissed the Chapter 11 proceedings of, um, of three Luxembourg affiliates of the, uh, yeah. the plastic producer, MNG. And, uh, and uh, this was made on the grounds that um, the, um, they would not be, the, the proceedings in the US would not be recognized in, in Luxembourg. And, and presumably that's because in Luxembourg, the company was still uh, located uh, here and, and still had the uh, the central administration in, in Luxembourg rather than uh, than in the, U the U.S. So that's absolutely right, and thank, thanks, Igori. I think you, you, you're right to say that it's a complex question and, and needs to be analyzed on, the, on a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, even though we, we still have the baseline of the unity uh, and universality of bankruptcy uh, principle, it's not it's not as easy as easy as that, unfortunately. Now, perhaps turning to uh, to, to, to Stefan, um, we'll speak a bit about board members, uh, and then and then we'll go straight to the questions. Um, I mean, you have you have two things to speak about very quickly. I think Stefan, which is you know, are, are duties of board members changing? Uh, when there are financial difficulties, and, and, and two, you know, is, is the scope of board liability different as well in, in that situation? Well, th thank you very much, Sebastian. Well, in, in order to answer that one, maybe we should uh, take a step back and look at the big picture. And what is the big picture here? The big picture here is that the managers have a duty of care with respect to the management of the company. That means that the management has to take its decisions taking into account the sole interest of the company as a whole. And the decision of the management should not really not be taken in the sole interest of one shareholder or one category of shareholders of creditors. We know that in practice, this is pretty difficult to implement uh, because usually what we have in the management, um, what you have in SPV is the management of the shareholders of all certain bondholders. But it is what it is, and you have to take that into account when management decisions are taken. This should really be factorized. 
So what, what should be done when distrust comes, when the, the company is in trouble? Well, it's, it's really time to go pedal to the metal, I would say, and action should be taken. Um, more frequent board meetings should be held, um, a battle plan, a preparation of a battle plan, action plan with several cases, options, scenarios should be implemented, and why not uh, the, the management should really do not hesitate to use external advisors in order to get advice, in order to turn around the company and tackle the situation which is at, at stake. The, the, the thing is, there is still one hard stop to take into account and to have in mind and subject to what has been said before. If when the bankruptcy conditions are met, then this is your hard stop and you need to assess the situation and maybe file for bankruptcy. So maybe we can go very quickly to the, to the next slide and talk a little bit more about uh, liability situation for uh, board members. Um, there are basically two type, two cases of liability situations which are applicable to the management in Luxembourg and this is applicable to the de jure managers but also to the de facto manager and that one is very important. Um, on the civil side and the civil liability cases, on that, on that one typically the manager can be held personally liable for the debt of the company. This is the case for a situation which is called extension of bankruptcy. In that situation, that one covers really the case where the manager would have acted and used the company in his personal interest in order to get some value and uh, become richer. So that, that one is the extension of the bankruptcy. Another very frequent liability civil case that we see in practice is the liability coverage. In that case, when there have been very serious misconduct and when the management has really contributed to the bankruptcy of the company and if the assets of the company are not sufficient to pay all the creditors, then this is also the case, the manager can be held personally liable for the debt of the company. And last, last but not least, what we usually see in practice is a prohibition to practice um, certain management function. This is really something which is uh, used very frequently by Luxembourg Court when the management has contributed to the bankruptcy of the company by serious and characterized misconduct, then this prohibition to practice uh, can be pronounced against the management. And very quickly, uh, on the criminal side, Typically, we have the negligent bankruptcy and the fraudulent bankruptcy. In that case, there are some jail sanctions which are possible. And the most common one that we see is the negligent bankruptcy. And typically, this is discovered the situation where um, there has been late filing for bankruptcy. So basically, it's really something to take into account when the conditions for the bankruptcy are met. Uh, this is really a hard stop because there are really some uh, very serious liability cases at stake. Thank you, Stefan. And now, um, now it's a time time for questions. Uh, please, please, please feel free to to send some. Uh, we've received uh, we received uh, uh, quite a few already, and so uh, don't don't hesitate to to add more. Um, perhaps I, I take the first one if I if I read it correctly. It's, you know, what what if the company has funds, but those funds uh, uh, cannot cannot be used now to uh, to to pay debts, and creditors are ne nevertheless uh, you know willing to 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 
to claim on uh, on their short-term debt right now. Well, unfortunately, that's typically the situation where you you may fall in a situation of bankruptcy. And so, essentially, you will need, if you cannot use um, those those proceeds for whatever reasons, because possibly they are on a pledge account and you cannot dispose of them. And so, the company is essentially in a situation where it has no liquidity. Well, you have to go, uh, let's say, for the for the alternative solutions that Philippe. Uh, uh, described at the at the beginning of, of of this webinar and try to create that additional liquidity to essentially settle your short-term debt. Uh, one of the solutions would be to negotiate with your creditors, obviously, and tell them, look, you know, um, you you paint a picture where you say that things are going to be rosy uh, in two or three months, uh, but for now it, it cannot be the case. If they insist on enforcing on their short-term debt and you cannot find any other source of liquidity and you cannot refinance your existing debt, then that, that may be, uh, unfortunately, the end of it, even though you would think that the, the business is, has a sort of viable uh, business, business model overall. So that, that, was, that was maybe uh, a first one. Um, Another one um, that, uh, that that we've uh, that, that we've seen is yeah what, what are the consequences of a bankruptcy and that's again sort of legal one and then we may pass on the, the, the baton to Philippe as well with other things to say but what, what are what are the consequences of bankruptcy if I'm a director of a company and perhaps I'm director in you know regulated entities as well. Uh, uh, or operational entities in, in Luxembourg or elsewhere. Well, you need to check the consequences in each and every jurisdiction. Uh, there's no, um, there's certainly no per se prohibition of exercising other mandates. I mean, unless uh, you've, you've uh, uh, let's say, been, uh, um, you received that, that sanction or that penalty, let's say, by, by Luxembourg court. But it may. Uh, the truth is that it may become a bit more complicated to take a regulated mandate, and you will need to explain that uh, to regulator and explain the various facts and circumstances, and especially explain that all of of, of that was done uh, in good faith. And so, a fresh start uh, is normally, uh, let's say, as a rule, always always possible, even though. Um, uh, you know, our very old legislation was based on a different premise. Uh, that you were you were presumed guilty. Uh, now things have changed, fortunately. I mean, Luxembourg is a very entrepreneurial country, uh, but still you you may need to to, to provide explanations to uh, I don't know, Ministry of Economy if you're seeking a business license, or to the CSSF, for instance, if you exercise a, a regulated mandate. And so there's no uh, let's say single answer to that question. It's uh, it, it's really a bit on the on the on the on the case case by case basis. I think Philippe, perhaps to to to, to stop with you, um, there, there was there, there were a few words that you still wanted to say about uh, you know what 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 the world of tomorrow uh, may be and how how clients can best prepare, let's say yeah. for there future crisis. There are two things I would like to complement on the pre the previous question about the blocks blocks funds. Um, just this will this will be uh, for our next webinar, but just basically. Uh, the, the source of cash, um, uh, whatever you're in crisis situation or not, are quite quite, quite known. Huh? If you if you have no reserve and no shareholder that wants to 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 deepen the pocket, I mean you have of course your banker. In the case we are discussing here about bond fund, bankers are often uh, offering expensive and nevertheless very useful revolving revolving loans 
uh, under the guarantee of the block fund. Um, suppliers, uh, in terms of payment, uh, the use of suppliers are a way of uh, getting a cash relief, not uh, of cash, but you pay it later. And we have clients that uh, have saved three months thanks to that. Uh, in difficult situation, clients, of course, uh, it's difficult to say to the clients to pay directly, but uh, you can use factoring if you have a robust client base. Uh, banks and uh, specific companies are, can provide quite fast factoring contracts to relieve you about waiting 60 to 90 days of, of course, the payment of your client. And then the la latest but not less interesting, uh, if it's more structural where you want to, uh, to open for a, for a convertible bonds or whatever, you can go to distress and private debt funds. So there are many, uh, many ways to, 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 to get cash. And what I wanted to say earlier that when that uh, is negative uh, all along, then yes, you are maybe at the end of the for, for tomorrow and very fast, you know, uh, in French we say sans foncer, les portes ouvertes, so it means that, you know, it's very basic things, but the, the point is always we forget all, all the time the basic things. Uh, but, 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 but the point is that we are coming back in a world where the cash is king because the cash is the only, only way you can, you can, you can, you can, you can get through this kind of crisis. So one of the, of the good practices is, uh, don't distribute everything, put something in reserve. But I, I, I would even laugh myself by telling it, but it's very, very logical, um, of course. Um, and uh, uh, what is more important is to, you have to have plans. I know, uh, consultants, they love, and I love to, 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 to say we have to have plans and battle plans and whatever plans, but it seems to be quite a, quite a good solution and quite a good, a good remedy now because um, the plan is, how, if something happens, I will just get through. So you have to have backup plans. So it's not because you ask your supplier terms of payment that you have to use them. But if you have contractualized them and you have them officially, you can use them when it's needed. So it's always the problem when we go to ask for a revolving line or we go to ask credit line at the supplier level, we tend to use it automatically. But it could be interesting when we see how the economy is moving and the risk we have to have a, a wave of this kind of problems coming back to prepare ourselves how we're going to get cash and how we're going to improve and, and go, go through one, two, three months uh, for next year or next, the year after when it comes. Um, also, keep regular communication with your lender or your potential lenders. Your bank knows you, you and they want to be sure everything is okay. So even if you are not in difficult situation, if you, even if you don't need anything, talk to them, give them information, uh, show them that you have uh, good, good, good budgets, good business plans, good uh, cash flow statements, and so on and so forth. Um, so um, also, again, I said, I said it a little bit earlier, but um, you can also think about how to subcontract a certain part of your cost to reduce, in case of crisis, the fixed cost and all those sunk costs that will just make, uh, make to get through uh, difficult. And in all, all everything we've seen, there is something really interesting we've seen in the real estate market is that a lot of companies now, and I've discussed with uh, um, listed companies in, in different countries in Europe, thinking about it to reduce drastically the, the cost of building by using a partial uh, teleworking because they've seen Banks, for example, have, have very well worked uh, in teleworking the last uh, the last months, and some other companies, of course, all the digital-based companies, they've seen that they're working as well uh, as teleworking as in offices. So of course, you need offices, you need to have an enterprise culture, but maybe 
some costs could be avoided in uh, in offices for the future by slightly changing the way of working. So there are many others, but it's going to be for the next time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, th thanks, Philippe. Thanks to everyone for, for, for attending this webinar. We hope you, you found it interesting. Uh, apologies for being uh, a bit longer than expected, but hopefully you, you got a bit more content for your money. So we hope to see you next time, and we'll, uh, we, we'll organize other, other sessions as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this webinar. You can register for our next webinars on the event and training page of our website www.arent.com.